2: steeler fans it is time once again for another episode of here we go the Steelers show my name is brian anthony davis behind the steel curtains podcast producer and i tell you what i am still all revved up after the nfl draft and revved up with me is my good friend the coach the legend k t smith kevin what is going on
1: brian how are you uh just got back from a little little walk on the boardwalk. I'm starting to take advantage of the spring weather. Oh man. uh, I'm excited for that. You know,
2: don't tell my wife you're on the boardwalk. We're here and not walking on anything. (laughs) We're here on (laughs) recliners.
1: (laughs) Well, we earn it because the, because the winter, the winter wind off the ocean is, is, uh, that's, that's a different sort of animal. So I can have that behind us. Yeah. It's, it's, you get three months in, uh, January, February, March, where it's you got to really kind of just bunker in. But, uh, you know, starting to really perk up. And uh, th- what do they say about spring? Hope spring's eternal. I think uh, that's how we all feel about the Steelers right now, isn't it?
2: And we definitely do. Let me ask you this question. Are you all rested up? Was that the most strenuous NFL draft you've ever had?
1: Well, I'll, I'll just say this. As far as how it went for us at the site, I think everybody was in – you know, just so locked in on what was happening and trying to cover it and crank out material and just sort of one thing happened and you were on it. And then the next thing happened and you were on that. And I didn't really start to digest it until this week where, when I was doing some film rooms and kind of digging into, into some stuff. And um, so, so I had to put a little distance between me and the actual event for me to start to appreciate it. But now that I have, and I, and I start to look back, I, I can, Say in all honesty, it's one of the, it's one of the most uh, in, encouraging. Or I feel more optimistic about this draft class than I have in in a while.
2: Well, let's talk about this draft class, Kevin. You know, you have the Pittsburgh Steelers, and we've been talking about this since the free agency period. A team that's not desperate. Now, when we talked back in January, this was a very desperate drafting team where they were going to have to draft offensive line maybe a couple offensive linemen maybe a couple guards then you bring in a guy like James Daniels you bring in Mason Cole then all of a sudden you bring back Chukes Okorfor. I almost called him Chucky Akobe that was a lineman from the, the 2000 <laughs> yeah. you, you bring back Chukes, then all of a sudden you're in a little bit better shape and you're not talking about the offensive line as much, you know that Kevin Dotson's returning. You have a guy that you still have some kind of promise in, in Kendrick Green. So you're not as worried about that. But then you see what happens to your wide receiver core, and you're thinking they might have to address that. You come to grips with the fact that you might be going into the season with Mason Rudolph battling Mitch Trubisky but knowing that you would need to bring somebody else in. Well, they brought two somebody else's in. So what was, when you look at the Steelers draft,
1: what surprised you the most? I was, I was surprised that they didn't take an offensive tackle. I think a lot of that had to do with the way that the draft unfolded. One thing we, you and I talked about heading into the draft was, how we sort of felt like we didn't want the Steelers to trade up. We wanted them to kind of let the draft come to them because there were a lot of, they had a lot of options in this particular draft and they didn't need to panic to, to reach for a guy. And I think they did that. And it just seems like maybe every step of the way where they had an opportunity to, to pick a tackle, there was somebody else on the board that they liked better. And it really seems like they went after guys that they had high grades on and, and that they valued. So that surprised me. But at the same time, when I look at the roster and you see the fact that they have re-signed a core four, which signals that they have a decent amount of faith in him, uh, that they were pleased with Dan Moore Jr. last year and that they feel like, like Joe Heg is a solid number three, a, a guy that, that if they need to start him, that they don't really feel like there's that much of a fall off between him and more or a core for then i guess they, they felt like you know hey we don't need to just add a guy to add a guy so i i understand that
2: so let's take a look at your favorite pick in this draft for the pittsburgh steelers
1: that's a good question because i have a few of them and that's really nice when you kind and of that's have to awesome. yeah when you have to sort of debate oh is this coming my favorite or is that guy my favorite um, I will say this to preface to preface my answer. When I look at the draft, I don't, I don't, I'm trying not to, to view it as all right, who's my favorite player? I'm trying to view it as why did they pick these guys and and how do they fit? And the big takeaway for me, and something that I know that we're gonna get into in this show, is that they really went after guys on the offensive side of the ball who fit Matt Canada's. Scheme. They really decided to give Canada the pieces that he needs to make his offense successful. They understand that they weren't able to do that last year. They saw the results. They weren't good. And they've really committed to him. They've really said, hey, we're going to give you the chance to be successful. What do you need? And and they went out and they got those pieces. And so to answer your question, who was who was my favorite pick? My favorite pick is prefaced by the notion that what were the biggest glaring needs in the offense heading into the draft? Well, you needed a vertical threat because they tried to make Chase Claypool that vertical threat last year, and I just don't think that that's his best role. So you needed a vertical threat and a guy who could stretch the defense. Well, they got one in George Pickens. They needed a slot guy who was kind of like a a bit of a do-everything type player like Canada had it pit back in 2016 when he had maybe the best offense he's ever coordinated. And they had a guy in the slot named Quadri Henderson who could yeah. do a little bit of everything. And they went and they, and they got that guy. They got that guy with um, the Austin kid out of, out of uh, Memphis. And then they needed a, an H back. They needed a, an H back who could do a little bit of everything, who was more versatile than Derek Watt, a guy who could block, but also run the ball if they need him to and, and get out on pass routes and catch and do something in the open field. And they got him and Connor Hayward. So when I look at those three guys together, I mean, I kind of roll them all up as my, as my favorite pick, simply because they addressed those needs and sort of filled in the final pieces of the Matt Canada puzzle.
2: Kevin Smith finding a loophole on here we go. The Steelers show. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sorry. All right. No, that's absolutely fine. I love it. Now let's look at who fits this offense the most out of those five picks on offense, Kevin?
1: Yeah. So the three guys I just mentioned clearly fit very, very well. I think they'll they'll, they'll all occupy specific roles. I think that they're, they're all players that I think Canada feels very, very comfortable uh, in understanding how he wants to employ them. They're, they're not going to be guys where, where you say like, all right, well, we picked a really talented guy. Now let's figure out how to use him. I think it was almost kind of the opposite where they said, you know, when Canada looked at his offense, it was kind of a question of here's what I want to do. And now let's go find guys who can do these things. And in that sense, it sort of reminds me a little bit of how the Patriots operated for such a long time with Tom Brady. When they when they would say we need a slot receiver who's really good uh, at understanding coverage recognition and and, and runs perfect routes and, and it's going to be on the same page as Brady. And maybe that guy wasn't a star somewhere else. But when he got to New England, guys like Wes Welker and Julian Edelman, they became stars. Because Troy Troy Brown, yeah. Because they they fit so well in those roles. And that's what's got me excited about the the three guys I just mentioned. Because I think that that the roles they're going to play are going to be really, really well suited for them because they were chosen specifically to fill roles.
2: Was this a situation where the Steelers... We're setting up Matt Canada for success. Of course, they want him to succeed because he's a part of their team. But was it desperate on their end to make sure that the offense was ticking on all cylinders so this was not a mistake?
1: I think that they understand that what Canada wants to do requires certain pieces. And every system does. But and I think that they they understood there there was a bit of an urgency to to get him those pieces now they didn't want to waste another year I think they they felt like uh, that they it was interesting going into the draft I wondered there's a part of me that thought maybe they're going to go heavy on defense and maybe they're going going to say let's let's build an elite defense let's let's shore up all the weak spots on defense. So that we can win with defense while we try and bring the offense along, but that's not what they did. They said, "Let's let's get the offense as good as we can possibly get it, and give Canada a chance to to be as successful as we can give him." Uh, and and maybe you know, maybe if we have to address some some needs on defense, find a third corner or, or maybe find another uh, edge player, then we'll figure out how to do that along the way. So that was I thought was an interesting approach that spoke volumes about their confidence in Canada.
2: You know, I don't want to get off course, but that brings up a question that I've had in the queue. Do you think the defense is really going to suffer from
1: them going heavy on offense? Right. That's a good question. I don't know if it will suffer. I think some of the things that they did in free agency will will allow the defense to have addressed some of its weak spots from last year. Obviously, the big concern is can they stop the run? Miles Jack should be a a big upgrade in that regard especially when you, when you pair Miles Jack with I, the influence, I think, that, that Brian Flores will play. I, I believe that Jack is a great fit for some of the things that Brian Flores wants to do. And obviously, Flores is not the coordinator, but I think that he'll have a pretty significant input on, on what they're doing. I think the big question is, are they going to be good enough up front? Their front was gutted last year. They wound up having to play a bunch of career backups in, in feature roles. And so you just hope that Tyson Alo Alo, when he comes back, he's he'll be the guy he was two years ago. And you really hope that Stefan Tuit comes back Uh DeMarvin Leal, the, the third round pick who they took, has a really high ceiling and, and is a very interesting and tantalizing player. He's a he's a heck of an athlete and he gets off the ball uh, incredibly well. Um, And he's going to be a guy that's that's going to be able to sort of penetrate and create some havoc in the backfield. But he's not really uh, an every down player just yet. He's going to need some time to mature. And then you hope guys like Loudermilk have come along. So so there's I, I use the word hope a bunch of times there with the defense. And I think that's kind of where they are. I think they hope they did enough in free agency to justify going so heavy on offense in the draft.
2: All right, let's go back to offense. We are going to touch on the defense just a little bit more, but we're talking about Matt Canada's influence on this draft and how this draft will influence Matt Canada's offense. Now, one pick that did not surprise me whatsoever was the number two pick for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's kind of an enigma already. This guy is, uh, with all the memes going out, with him standing in front of the TV, in fact one of Jeff's ride or die crew already put it out with the picture of the preview show. So the preview crew's on there, Jeff, Dave and myself are on there with George Pickens watching it. But I was not shocked with the George Pickens pick. I know we had some people like Shannon white, who's in love Uh with sky Moore, and a lot of people that wanted that guy, but the Steelers tend to know who they want. And when they went to Georgia's pro day with all of those great picks, they seem to be focusing on George Pickens a whole heck of a lot last month, Kevin.
1: Yeah, you can understand why he's uh, first of all, he's got a very physical demeanor. I think that the Steelers wanted to get more physical on the outside. Uh, they want guys that are going to block. I mean, he'll, he'll certainly block. Uh, they, they want guys that are going to be able to get off of press coverage. I mean, the Steel, you, you saw it last year. The Steelers uh, w- saw a lot of press coverage last year. Teams basically just daring them to try to throw the football down the field on them. And, and they couldn't do it. Deontay Johnson, for as, as quick as he is and as good a route runner as he is, he was not a great vertical threat against press. He just got muscled at the line of scrimmage by some bigger, stronger corners. And Chase Claypool just wasn't developed enough in his technique work to be able to get off of press and gain separation. And then Claypool wasn't a great vertical threat because he's kind of a body catcher. He, you know, he traps the ball against his body a lot, which on, on vertical routes, you've got to be a high point guy. You got to be a guy who goes up and snatches the football with your hands. And that is Pickens. When you watch, When you watch Pickens play, the one thing that just jumps out at you, uh, other than his physicality, he beats press coverage off the line. He's a long strider, but the thing that's really impressive about him is the way he goes up and gets the football, the way he uses his hands. He's a high-point guy, man. He's catching the football at its highest point. And, um, you know, I think all that was attracted to the Steelers because it filled a need that they really saw as something that they had to have to to solve a lot of the problems. The biggest problem they faced last year – press coverage, loaded boxes against the run, we dare you to beat us deep. And and he's he's a solution to that problem. Finish this question that really can't be answered. George
2: Pickens' only downfall on the field
1: is what? I want to say I got to think about how I want to say this because it's going to have to do with his demeanor and it's going to have to do with his focus. Everybody's talking about the fight, the fight that he got into as a freshman. And, and there's a, there's, there's some film clips of it and it's a, it's a full blown fight. He's, he's blocking a dude and he's blocked him out of bounds and the guy kind of shoves him back. And then Pickens does a really dumb thing and throws two actual punches at the guy's helmet, which is a great way to break your hand. Uh, and uh, and then literally, in a it's uh, kind of a WWE move, grabs the guy by the face mask and kind of runs him into uh, the padded wall at the base of the stands. I mean, it's, <laughs> you know, it's like uh, you, you could, you know, you almost pictured uh, like some kind of a, a heel move on his part there in in, in, in WWE. And, and, and again, he was a freshman and it feels like he on the field anyway, has has maybe overcome some of that. But, you know, there's still people who have said things about him, like he's a diva, he's been coddled, he's he's a hothead, he loses his temper. And I don't like to speculate on that stuff because I think a lot of that stuff is speculative. You know, I think a lot of that is people putting things out that maybe they've heard. And if you, unless you're working with a guy, you don't really know. But it does seem as though he's an intense player and he's coming into the league with this reputation as a hothead. And, you know, opposing corners are going to bait him. They're going to try to get him off his game. They're going to talk trash. They're going to, you know, they're going to chip away at him and see if they can get him unfocused. So I think Frisman Jackson, the new wide receivers coach, will be a huge influence on Pickens. And the thing that he'll have to do the most is try to really get him focused on being professional and focusing on his his role on the field.
2: Man, I got excited about Frisman Jackson during his interview. He was fantastic.
1: Yeah, I think he's great. I think he's uh I think he's what the Steelers needed. I think they, no offense to Ike Hilliard, uh, who, who was a, an excellent player and I'm sure knows the position extremely well, but he didn't seem to be, I don't want to say disciplinarian, but he didn't seem to be a guy who had tremendous focus on the details. And Frisman Jackson, from everything you've read about him, is a teacher. He's a guy who teaches the game. And I think more than anything else, that's what the Steelers' young receivers need.
2: Let's ask one last question. George Pickens question. This one is probably even more unanswerable than the others, and it's this. George Pickens, if he does not get hurt,
1: is he a first-rounder? Oh, absolutely. I don't think there's any question about that. When you look at the receivers in the draft, and there were some very, very good ones, no doubt about that, but he's got a skill set that every team in the NFL needs. A physical receiver who can beat press coverage, who can get deep, uh, and and who's an excellent high-pointer. Every team in the league uh, wants somebody like that. So I I think there's no doubt that he would have gone in the first round. So
2: where in the first round, though, if he has a clean bill of health, which he doesn't, and he didn't. But is he picked higher than Wilson and Olave from Ohio State? Is he picked higher than Jamison Williams? You know, Is he the number one wide receiver in this draft if he comes in 100% healthy?
1: He's a little different than those guys. Those guys are smaller and they're and they're a little quicker and they're uh, guys that are a little bit more kind of catch and run guys and and he can do that. Pickens can do that. He's good. He's good with the ball after the catch, no doubt about it. But he's a bit of a longer strider, fast, absolutely fast, but a bit of a uh, more of a long strider and a guy that uh, probably plays a little bit more vertical in his route tree than some of those other guys. So I think it would have depended on what team. Was picking and what were they looking for specifically? But you know, he had that run on wide receivers um and in the first round, and I think that he would have been right in the middle of that run somewhere.
2: When we come back on Here We Go The Steelers show, we are going to take a trip to Kennywood and talk about the Steelers' number one pick. When we come back here on behind the still curtain.com.
0: man
2: you've ever seen. There I am on the subway train. Welcome back to BTSC Radio. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. Along with me is Kevin Smith. What is going on, KT?
1: Just enjoying enjoying talking about these new steelers. Brian, they're they're an exciting group. Well, let's uh,
2: hop in the car.
1: And go to Kennywood. I really want to go to Kennywood. I'm being totally serious. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm being 100, 100 percent serious about this. Is I'm pitching the first week of August. Uh, we have about 10 days, end of July, early August, where where we have no football here locally. I don't have any high school responsibilities, and and we're you know that's our family vacation time. And and we've decided this year we don't want to fly anywhere. We're gonna we're gonna take a road trip somewhere. And I'm thinking of trying to pitch my wife on a latrobe kennywood canton road trip
2: that is not a bad idea yeah not so. a bad idea whatsoever you know especially uh, for me you're gonna have to come and pick me up because i haven't <laughs> been there since 1994 it's been a long time oh, yeah.
1: uh, and i didn't even know it existed until a couple weeks ago
2: <laughs> really wow yeah the commercial the, the, yeah, the Jack Lambert commercial, commercial yeah. gotcha yeah yeah exactly <laughs> For us, it was that was like a gem for you. For us, that was like, oh yeah, that's that's a classic. <laughs> I remember watching that first run. So, Kevin, let's go to Kenny Wood now and talk Kenny Pickett. The Steelers had the luxury of scouting this guy for two, three years. They know everything about him. It's no surprise. They were able to play a little bit of a game with the rest of the NFL and the media by not focusing too much on Kenny Pickett and focusing on other quarterbacks. Now, that does not mean that they did not have interest in Malik Willis. That doesn't mean that they didn't have interest in the kid Matt Corral or Desmond Ritter. But what it means is that the Steelers knew what they wanted and just needed to see what they needed to do and make sure nobody else was out there. Almost like in 2007 when they were going to go ahead and hire a new head coach. They didn't know Mike Tomlin was out there. They had their decision made, legend has it. And informed that candidate and turned around and made a different decision because something else popped up. This time they went back to what seems to be like their original plan, and Kenny Pickett. Do you think that they did the due diligence when picking picket and what does he have over Malik Willis?
1: Well, first of all, Talman, he is a sly dog and, and there's no doubt about uh, the fact that he did a wonderful job of getting everybody to look over here when he was really looking over there. Uh, but I do think a lot of things that he said about Willis were genuine. The one, when I look back on it, the one tip off, and I don't, I don't think that it was purposeful. I don't think that it was meant to indicate that they liked Kenny Pickett better. But the one, the one thing that was said that could have given you an indication that they were leaning away from Willis or Desmond Ritter, who was kind of the other guy. got I like I I actually thought that if they if they shocked us with a pick, it, w- it would be Ritter. But the one thing that they that they said that, that indicated otherwise was when Kevin Colbert said that the one of the things he values the most in a quarterback is accuracy, because he said he didn't believe that you could improve greatly in terms of your accurate accuracy at the NFL level that you could, you could work on your fundamentals and you could chip away at it a little bit, but that if you were inaccurate as a college quarterback, that you would for the most part be inaccurate as a pro quarterback. And that's the big knock on Willis is that uh, he's going to have to develop better accuracy, especially as he learns to go through full field read progressions. And I just think that the Steelers saw in Pickett a guy who was just a lot further along in terms of his ability to A, read defenses, and then B, put the ball where the ball needed to be. I mean, So much of the pro game is accuracy because guys in the pros, uh, there's a big difference between – I think you and I might have talked about this a while ago on a show. There's a big difference between college open and NFL open. You know, NFL open – is a much much smaller window than college open. And uh, you got to be able to put the ball in a spot a lot of times uh even if a guy is 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 well covered. And and for a lot of guys coming out of college to them that that doesn't look open. They they may they may not throw a ball because they'll say hey man that guy's covered. But in the pros it's like all right he's covered but put a ball throw him open. That's the phrase you hear all the time, right? Throw that guy open meaning put the ball in the spot where only he can get it. And I just don't think that they felt they could do that with with Willis. I think that they felt like it would be too long of an investment for what they were looking for.
2: That is very interesting. And let me ask you this now. We talked the entire draft uh, process, and we talked about how the Steelers don't have to get a quarterback this year. And we said that the entire time. And they knew what they were doing. And then here were everybody – not us, not just us, but everybody is spouting off saying, look, they they need to wait till next year. But by doing it this year, do they accelerate their offense and not really stand pat for another year? Do you feel they would have stood pat if they would have not picked
1: a quarterback this time? I think it speaks volumes about two things. One, that they really did feel like Pickett was – the right choice and a guy who could come in and compete right now to be the starting quarterback. Uh, I th- and I think too, I think they want competition and I don't necessarily think that competition involves Mason Rudolph. I believed for this entire offseason that the Steelers did not have any intention of entering the 2022 season with Mason Rudolph as their starting quarterback. And the reason I believe that was because they had many, many opportunities from the moment Ben Roethlisberger announced that he was finished up until the free agency period opened. They had countless opportunities to endorse Mason Rudolph as their starter, or at least to say with some sort of conviction, he's going to be the guy that gets the first shot. He's going to be the guy that, you know, we, we turn to first. And they never did that. The only thing that they ever said was if the, if the season started today, he'd be our starting quarterback because they didn't have anybody else on the roster other than Rudolph and, and Dwayne Haskins. And so, so they never endorsed them. And I never really felt like he was really in their plans to be the starter. So they bring in Trubisky, but I don't feel like they uh, are convinced, you know, that Trubisky is the guy and they wanted somebody that could push him. And they wanted somebody that if, if, if that person did push him, that that person could then be The cornerstone quarterback the franchise quarterback going forward so i think you saw opportunity and circumstance kind of conspire uh to result in the picket uh selection
2: i think one thing and we talked about this last week immediately after the draft that one thing that the steelers did they took the top option in free agency at quarterback and they took the top option in the draft at quarterback and i don't think that's an indictment on mitch trubisky that's just going to Mitch and saying, all right, you still have to carry the mail. We're not going to throw this guy in right away. Where am I wrong? Do you feel like they're going to throw Kenny Pickett and have him win the job? Or does he need to season more?
1: I think he needs to win the job to be the starting quarterback. He, he's not being handed anything. They're not going to rush him into the starting lineup. They're not. I think if, if there's any question about who should be the starter, it's going to be Trubisky because they understand that a young quarterback does need an opportunity to learn. And so that's that's really the, the luxury of their situation, that I think they feel confident enough in Trubisky to be the starter. But if, Pickens, if Pickett really beats him out, like legitimately beats him out, then I think they'll feel confident that they can go with, with Pickett. If Pickett beats him out – That's pretty impressive because I think Trubisky is going to surprise people. I think he's going to be better than certainly better than people remember uh, is as far as Chicago Mitch Trubisky was concerned. I think the year in Buffalo did him a great uh, service in taking the pressure off him and letting him step back and be a part of a good organization with a with a, a, a good offense and learn from Josh Allen, et cetera, et cetera. And then he comes to Pittsburgh and he's excited about the opportunity. And Then the Steelers draft picket. And I think for Trubisky, it's like, okay, game on. You know, I think he's going to be a guy who's going to rise to the challenge. I think that that drafting picket will bring out the best in Trubisky, which isn't to say he's going to be the guy down the road. I mean, let's be honest. If you, if you spend the number 20 pick in the draft on a quarterback, that's going to be your guy going forward. But in the short term, it may mean that we get a really good version of Mitch Trubisky.
2: And you know what? I'm actually excited if I'm Mitch Trubisky, because this is a chance to show off my talents and definitely pave the way and make it tough for the Pittsburgh Steelers to one, have to trade him at this point, And then it's easy for them to trade him if he performs, or he's going to make a whole heck of a lot of money in two years. So I'm excited for Mitch. I'm excited for the whole process, having both of these guys, some people, have called it a waste of money, you know, waste of a ten million dollar quarterback. I don't see it that way. I see it setting yourself up for the future, but taking care of the now because you don't want to throw a rookie quarterback into that mix. We've seen that happen time and time and time again. As great as Mac Jones was last year, still it wasn't it wasn't a blockbuster rookie season to the point where. He was going to go ahead and win them a Super Bowl. When Ben Roethlisberger was a rookie, Kevin, those were pedestrian numbers. Then he pulled them, then the second year started the real Ben era. So they had a chance to still protect him by putting people around him. So I think this is a good opportunity for Pickett. Once again, we got to go back to Mason Rudolph because Kenny Pickett's one thing. But when you bring Chris Olodukun in, then you've got a problem if you're Mason Rudolph because you don't draft a quarterback and a second quarterback to get rid of them.
1: Right. You've got three quarterbacks coming into camp who were drafted or signed to run Matt Canada's offense, and you've got Mason Rudolph who was drafted to back up Ben Roethlisberger in somebody else's offense. I don't, I can't, I don't even remember who was the OC. Maybe it was Arians when, when they drafted Rudolph, but, but it was, it was a, it was a a different mindset. He was, he was drafted to in, in, in one era almost, and now we're in a different era and you've got three guys who um, can do the things that I think that Canada values. I, you've never, you know, i never looked at Mason Rudolph and said, oh, there's a guy who would be great. Let's get him out outside the pocket. He'd be, he'd be great outside the pocket or, or, you know, there's a guy who's like really well-schooled in play action and RPOs. I mean, he played in an air raid offense in college and and an air raid offense is uh, a lot of quick timing throws, no motion on the ball, no huddle four and five wide receiver sets, snapping the ball on first sound, uh, getting the ball out of the quarterback's hand quickly, trying to use tempo to simplify the looks that you get from a defense. Matt Canada's offense is lots of shifts in motions, lots of personnel group, heavy personnel groupings, lots of uses of fullbacks, tight ends, H backs, those types of guys. Uh, play action, RPOs, bootlegs, pocket movement, all that stuff is way different than the way that Rudolph was trained. And so, so yeah, I mean, if you're Mason Rudolph right now, you're kind of going, huh, you know, where do, where do I stand?
2: If you're Matt Canada and this is the offense that they put together for you, of course, you're, I don't want to say you're on the hot seat, but this is the time is now. But if you're Matt Canada Canada and you go to bed last Saturday night, what kind of dreams are you having? Do you feel mm-hmm. like everything has gone the right way for you? Are you excited? Or do you think, well, too bad we couldn't have done this?
1: You're dreaming about pit 2016 because honestly i think that's really what the steelers have tried to rec- recreate uh when you look at the pit 2016 team which was the best offense in the history of that school they averaged 457 yards a game 41 points a game put 42 points on clemson put 43 points on penn state when you look at what they had they had a guy quarterback nathan peterman who they now have better a better version of him in both Pickett and Trubisky. Peterman was a guy that you know uh, he could throw the ball from the pocket, but he was best when he was moving around. And um, you had a, a running back in James Conner, who I think you now have a better version of him in Najee Harris. You had uh, a really a really interesting H back named George Aston, who who wound up on the season with twenty two rushes. 22 receptions and 15 touchdowns and Canada loved to use him in unconventional ways, like on jet sweeps, on reverses. He was a 240 pound H back. And I, and when I, when they drafted Connor Hayward, I was like, that's George Aston, you know, uh, the leading outside receiver was a guy named, uh, uh, we was his last name. I'm, I'm drawing a blank on his first name, but he was a six foot three, 200 pound guy guy who was great off of play action and vertical routes and he could go up and get the ball and he looked an awful lot like George Pickens you know Pickens is a better version of him and I already mentioned Quadri Henderson who was his kind of like do everything slot uh and going and getting Calvin Austin the third is a is a, a who I mean that kid is dynamic we haven't even talked about him yet uh is a a better version of Henderson so I think this. I think what they've done is they've given Canada all the pieces to kind of replicate that 2016 Pitt offense was Tyler Boyd gone from that team? yeah he was he wasn't uh he wasn't on that team so he must have been he must have been gone from them yeah Hmm. he because he he didn't play he's not he's not anywhere in their stats so i don't know i don't know maybe i don't know if he was injured or redshirted i'm not sure what his his situation was there
2: well we only have a few minutes left calvin austin the third the ravens wanted him the steelers took him he's the antithesis of george pickens but when you put them together You've got a super duo. Can we be seeing Swan Stallworth
1: 2.0? So he's, he's different uh, than, than the Swan Stallworth pairing. He's lightning fast, but he, he did play outside uh, most of the time at Memphis. I think the Steelers will use him in the slot a lot. I think he'll be the jet sweep guy. He'll be a guy that they run the, the quick screens to, uh, that they'll try to get him the ball now in space. And let him him do his thing. I think they could even bring him into the backfield when they when they want to. I think that he's a guy who they will scheme for specifically. They they're not going to you know a lot. There's different ways that, as a play caller that you approach what you call. Sometimes it's hey, I'm going to look at the defense and I'm going to call things that I think can beat that look. Sometimes it's I'm going to run a general scheme beater, uh, meaning uh, something that I think will work well against just about any, anything that the defense throws us but one of the you know one of the other ways that you do it is you say all right i'm going to have certain plays designed for this player against this opponent uh, things i think we can exploit and i think that's Austin i think i think i think you're going to have a package for him every week where there's probably going to be four five or six different ways to get him the ball in space uh, and see what he can do with it and the steelers haven't had a guy like that in a long time and and that's what excites me about this kid is i think that he's He's that guy. He's he's legit. He's not Chris Rainey. Uh, he's not Dre Archer. He's he's different. He's a, he's a wide receiver by trade who now the modern NFL can also allow for him to be a running back type with the jet sweeps and the reverses and those types of things. Whereas Rainey and Archer were running backs, So they kind of tried to make receivers and, and it just didn't work. So I think I think this kid is a, a special pick.
2: My final thought on Austin was really encouraging when I heard guys outside of the Pittsburgh Steeler organization just going crazy after the Steelers made the pick namely Isaac Bruce and Tory Holt <laughs> the greatest show on turf from the St. Louis Rams those two together were like wow this guy is going to be incredible they were uh, they didn't go out and call him the steal of the draft but basically said that he is going to be something and you haven't Heard that put on a fourth round pick of the Steelers in a long, long time.
1: No, you haven't. And if you're Matt Canada, now everything falls on you. This is this is Canada's offense. He's going to own its success or its failure. Uh, He's got so many options. You know, you you've got Najee and the run game, a guy who ran for 1,200 yards last year, and you hope you've done enough up front to make the run game a little bit better. But in the passing game, you've got Deontay Johnson who who uh, was a 1,000-plus you know, yard receiver last year and is a tremendous route runner. You've got Claypool, who, if they can find a, the right role for him, is an enormous talent. you got George Pickens, who is a super athlete and can stretch the field. Uh, you got Pat Fryermuth, who's going to be a top-five tight end in the NFL this year. I really think that his second season will be a special season. Uh, that's an awful lot to defend the field right there. And then you throw into that mix – uh, a guy like Calvin Austin with his game-changing speed, and it just really makes the Steelers tough to defend. They've gone from being kind of a one-dimensional offense uh, that that had a lot of problems against looks that defenses gave them to a to an offense that can can kind of adjust to whatever a defense wants to throw them because they've got so many options.
2: When can we expect this offense to really
1: show its stuff? Right. That's the million dollar question, because because while everything I just said is true, you're also talking about uh, a new quarterback in Trubisky or, or a rookie in Pickett, a new piece in Pickens, a new piece in Austin, could Chase Claypool adjusting to a new role uh, through two and maybe three new starters on the line. So there's still a lot of a, a lot of things that, that have to come together. Uh, and I wouldn't expect it out of the gate, but I would hope that, you know, early sometime in the first quarter or so of the season we see a little bit of progress and and when things get clicking it's got a chance to be pretty special
2: well that's fantastic and i can't wait to see this special offense i think it's going to be amazing i expect the defense to hold up their end of the bargain too i'm not talking super bowl in 2022 but i'm talking playoffs and i'm talking the beginning of a great era in pittsburgh sports this is going to be a lot of fun kevin
1: yeah absolutely and i think that's right i i i think people are right to be excited right now but i also think that they need to uh <laughs> to quote one of my favorite shows curb their curb enthusiasm, your enthusiasm. Just a little i bit, knew yeah. it was coming <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah
2: just a little bit you know sorry i stepped on you there I mean, no you you're,
1: you're <laughs> i knew of- it
2: i definitely knew that was coming so <laughs> with that being said you've got to check out btsc for all of your pittsburgh steeler needs so the Steelers draft a seventh round quarterback on thir- excuse me, on uh Saturday. When did the when does the uh BTSC draft fix get him on the show? Well, they didn't want to wait until next week, so we put him on yesterday. Yeah. Chris Olodukun was on yesterday with Jeremy Betts. And Andrew Wilbar. So that's absolutely fantastic. There's going to be so much more coming down the wire. Check out Let's Ride this morning. Where this show comes out Friday at noon. Let's Ride came out. And he's talking about the Steelers. Great quarterback situation. That's Jeff Hartman. So can't wait to check it out. Last night's Steelers preview was a good one too. You've got so many different shows. So many things to go ahead and watch. And remember tonight. Not only do you have the six pack with Tony Defeo, you've got the boys from down under Matty P Marky D and Pittsburgh Steelers touchdown under. So with that being said, Kevin, thanks so much.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Hope everybody has a great week out there
2: for KT Smith. My name is Brian Anthony Davis. We ask you to do three things. Stay safe, stay true to yourself and always stay behind the steel curtain and keep your feet on the ground and keep reaching for the Kevin
1: hypocycloids.
2: Love it. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over a 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today
3: Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the
0: family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash.